Welcome back to Every Week is Chaos. Um, as usual, I uh, am one of your co-hosts, Lorenzo, and joining me is a uh, Irish Catholic TCU fan. It's not David. It's Connor. Connor? Hi, everybody. I'm David in five years. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's uh, hopefully. But... Uh, yeah, I, David is doing much better than I am in five years. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But David is at the Amisa Supporter Summit in Auburn. And we were already thinking of having Connor come on to debate some stuff. And it just worked out that he's filling in for David for this week. So, yeah. Uh, why don't you tell us a tiny bit about yourself? All right, so my name is Connor. I uh, I know Lorenzo through David, and I just know David through our uh, shared experiences at the Mises Institute. I have been a, or I was a summer fellow at the Institute this past year, and before that, I was an intern for Jeff Dice, and I got to know David through that and found this great podcast. I'm currently a PhD student in economics at Texas Tech University. And even saying that sentence out loud makes me want to kill myself because I am a born and bred TCU fan. I went to TCU for undergrad. Uh, so I, I hate being out here in Raider Rash territory. I was just going to say something about Raider <laughs> Rash. But I uh, I live in a trailer park here in Lubbock. So if there were anywhere to get Raider Rash, I've got it already. <laughs> Sounds great. All right. So... Uh... I kind of this the my um my ideas for this show started or at least this episode started with a tweet I put out about a week ago at this point um, where I said libertarian litmus test and then here were two questions do you support the abolition of the civil rights act and do you support the legalization of heroin if you answered no to any of these you are not a libertarian now. Would you say that's a good litmus test? I think it's a great litmus test. And the other thing I will say is I disagree a lot with a lot of the people complaining about litmus tests in general. We're um, going to get to that. Don't worry. Yeah. Because I, I think litmus tests are a good thing. Yeah. But I would say all things considered, this is a very non-gatekeeping litmus test. It, it's it's I, I chose this. It's funny because what you're saying is I think there's a lot of people that are tired. There's certain types of purity tests that are very culture war based and a lot that were kind of common with a lot of libertarian things where it was like, if you don't support abortion, you're not a libertarian. If you don't support trans kids, you're not a libertarian. Where it's like there's libertarian positions that you that's a culture war position and you can have libertarian arguments against both of those things. Um, this are two they're two culturally uncomfortable questions they're two I picked them deliberately because they make you feel uneasy but I think they're very basic standard ones I think in terms of a litmus test they're actually yeah relatively like not inoffensive but man it's I it's it inspired a whole frenzy and the other thing too is they're they may not be inoffensive because you are you are right that you did intentionally pick heated areas but all things considered like like you said with the um with some people's having their letting this test be about abortion 
I actually do think the only logical libertarian position is pro-abortion. It's part of the reason I'm not a libertarian. But disregarding, there are libertarians who make the alternative argument. The people that this litmus test weeds out are not the people that are uncomfortable with the question. And they're not the people with a libertarian argument on the other side. Yep. Any person who really thinks there's a libertarian argument for one of these two things whatever libertarian was like, I don't think we should legalize heroin didn't spurg out when they saw that tweet. They thought, well, actually there's this other take. The people who got worked up over that tweet are not libertarians. And, and that's my that, point. That's, exactly. that's why it's a good litmus test. And I got so much crap. I got like, it's funny. Cause if I go through some of these, um, one of the first ones that I actually liked was someone, uh, Cam, shout out Cam, was like, if you answered no to any of these questions, you'd be smart electorally, which I think is true. I think that the, the, the problem with being a libertarian, not even the problem, but just the reality of being a libertarian is that you have the most third rail of third rail topics. You know the concept of third rail topics? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like don't, yeah. It's, you know, if you're a principled libertarian, if you get on a debate stage, you are going to be shredded by the audience because most people don't like a lot of those things. Now, this is a very rude wake-up call to a lot of, you know, quote-unquote libertarians that get a very attached to the name and they like, you know, it's like, I follow the libertarian meme page and I don't like communists, so I'm a libertarian. It's like, no, you're not. And 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 I think a lot of it also comes to a thing we'll get on in a bit, which is their ties to libertarian electoral politics. Um, but... As I go down, there's other ones. Some guy said that um, if you disagree with the second option, but you agree with the first one, you're a paleo-libertarian. No, you're not. You're just a right-winger. It's okay to be a right-winger. It's okay to be a, a right-winger that's good on a lot of issues. Um, and a lot of these people just didn't understand that. But I, I one of the things that I found a lot was a lot of people that were like, this is a no-true-Scotsman fallacy. You're getting rid of people on our base that are fighting the system. And I can't believe you'd try to divide more people. And when we're trying to win, especially when people are like, you know, the LP is already divided enough. It's like LP. Why are you could trying to accuse me of trying to divide the LP? I follow the Tho Bishop strategy. I follow the, like go through the Republican party. If you're going to do that or the Democrat party, if that's like, it's essentially like combo of Tho Bishop and kind of the free state type idea of like run candidates through whatever party will be most effective. Um, but it, it showed how many people are attached to the name libertarian and they've been told to, they've been kind of brought, brought into this believing that anyone who's not a libertarian in their minds is this filthy communist status that hates everything. And they're, they're in the cool kids club. I'm going to give a quick plug for a friend of David's and mine, since you just said that, because it reminded me. Uh, if any of you look up on the Mises Institute website, gosh, what's it called? Economic calculation is non-binary. On the Mises Institute website, obviously, it's a title that's intentionally using words that draws clicks. But the idea of it, it's our buddy Josh from the Institute. He was a fellow there this summer. And his whole concept is that uh, Mises had his famous economic calculation problem, socialism can't calculate, therefore socialism will collapse. 
And in the world we live in today with exactly what you just said, that all libertarians are like, well, if you believe there should be government funded stoplights, you're a socialist. It has led to a lot of people misunderstanding economic calculation and libertarianism and socialism. And he used the dumb, catchy slogan of non-binary because it really is more than that. And the libertarians of the world want to jump into this is my name. This is my club. And socialism is he who is not in my club. Exactly. And that's entirely what it's become. You're exactly right. And it's the thing is that you can still be a really good conservative on a lot of issues or a really good liberal. Hell, there's people I know that I, it's, I, you have to think about where I'm coming from, you know, coming from upstate New York. Like there's people I know that I've been able to get good on certain, here's, here's a good example. If you're going to talk about um, legalizing, I don't really care about legalizing weed, but actually legalizing um, psilocybin for medical treatment, it actually does a lot to help a veteran's PTSD. You're not going to get a conservative on board with that, but you can probably get a liberal on board with that. And you can probably get them that are that are good on some, and I'm not a big fan of single issue coalitions either, but you can still be a liberal that's good on issues or a conservative that's good on issues. But what most libertarians think is real if, quick as, as a conservative who won't get on board with that. What was the drug you even said? Psilocybin? I don't even know what that. Yeah, what is that? Uh, mushrooms. Oh, okay, okay. Um, it's yeah, it's the it's the thing that's in magic mushrooms. Sorry, there's a yeah, there's a okay. fly on my screen. I'm trying to begin. Get that was. That was fantastic timing for you to go for the fly on your screen. I thought you were about to pull out a magic mushroom to show me. <laughs> no, Austin, I guess. <laughs> yeah, listen, man. Well, it's the, like the 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 mushrooms are very good for um, a lot of veterans have found they've helped with PTSD, um, and it's really from what I've heard from some of the people that are in more like psychology field, it's kind of the next big step instead of just pumping people full of medications. Um, which I think is a very, like, if you can get a way to get out of big pharma's clutches and, and do something different, yeah. I'm a fan of it. But um, the, <sighs> essentially, coming back to the thing, I think most, quote unquote, these kind of libertarians that got weeded out, use it as a social club and think they've got the cool label and the cool thing, and they and they're you know they have all the cool slogans. I when I went to Yale last year, I saw a lot of these people. They're the ones that say taxation is theft and the Fed print guns, not money. Okay, that's cute. What what do you think about the Civil Rights Act? What do you think about the fact that a true libertarian position means that you can have your neighbor shoot up heroin in his yard? Like, you know that those are the questions that that weed out that separates the wheat from the chaff really, you know, it's a, sure you can say taxation is stuff all you want. And also I will say Ron Paul would have agreed with, with, um, the, my two points probably. Oh yeah. No, he spoke on both of them during his campaign. Yeah. So like yeah. for people that call themselves part of the Ron Paul revolution or a Ron Paul Republican. Yeah. See, there you go. Um, people that call themselves part of that, they just, you know, they're actively disagreeing with what Ron Paul would have said. And that's just, just so shows again. Yeah. I found this a lot. Ron DeSantis has become far less libertarian in the past few years. But during the COVID crisis, I would hype up Ron DeSantis. I was originally 
the worst kind of libertarian whining that he was hurting home rule. And if anybody looks up my name, you'll find that's one of the first things I ever published for the Mises Institute. And it's my greatest shame. But, <laughs> um, so wore me down and sold me on Ron DeSantis. And I started pushing for him. And I found all of these libertarians, because I was still very libertarian myself, and I found them all attacking me because Ron DeSantis was a statist evil Republican. And I was like, guys, have you seen what's happening in Florida compared to everyone else? I was like, my life is 50 times better than people's lives in other states. And I ended up sharing something where I, I was a little intentionally vague. But I basically said, would you advocate for a non-anarchist politician running as a Republican who's most known for reducing uh, reducing um, government, reducing government influence in his realm? Something along those lines, like something intentionally annoying. But it was obviously Ron Paul is what I was getting at. And I had this flood of no responses. And I sent back to all of them. I was like, OK, but you know, that's Ron Paul. And they all either tried to justify why Ron Paul was different from what I said, which he's not, or the at least more honest position, but so much worse position was the libertarians who were like, yeah, you know what? You're right. If Ron Paul ran today, I probably wouldn't vote for him. He's too status. I was like, okay, if Ron Paul, well, and that's the irony is the people attacking your litmus test are the same people who have such purity tests in their own mind that Ron Paul wouldn't pass them. Yeah. And it's, and it's also like the man, I, it, it irritated me so much because also I will say like, I'm not as hot on DeSantis as like you and Phil are. Um, I think that he is the best governor in America right now. Um, especially, it's like, here's the thing. Cause I live in Texas now. I think Texas is a great state to live in. Do I think Greg Abbott, <laughs> do I think Greg Abbott is a very good governor? Uh, um, I think that Sans is much better. I think that he's really weak on Israel, like in terms of the BDS laws. That's so. As far as Greg Abbott goes, my first comment: Greg Abbott is DeSantis six months ago at any given time. The problem is DeSantis's best strength is being right when it matters, not like being yep. right six months later doesn't doesn't do anything for you. Exactly. DeSantis is by far the weakest of the big name Republicans on Israel. I'm I, I we've talked about this before that I don't really care that much about foreign policy. Oh, you're you just okay. cut out now you're back. But I was saying I I'm not hugely motivated by foreign policy issues. I, I know I should be, but I'm just not. Um but it is demonstrable that DeSantis pushes way more pro-Israel stuff. And I know there are of half the people listening right now are saying, oh yeah, but so do all of them. But DeSantis pushes it more than the others. It's, it's yeah. noticeable. It, and that's the thing I get. I, you know, you, if you're a politician, it's the same way. If you're a principled libertarian, you can't run, you, you know, because you hit all those third rail topics. If you're a politician right now, you kind of have to, you know, bend the knee to Israel because that's how you're going to, if you, if you went up on a debate stage, like on the next Republican debate and it was like, I don't support sending money to Israel. You would lose you like tr if Trump himself said that the, the ultimate example was that Ron Paul said that. And then when he was number two in the polls, the graphics would share the top <laughs> one, three and four candidates. Yeah, exactly. So like, 
And you know, and I wonder who was running those TV stations. Um, <laughs> I can say that I'm Jewish. Um, All right, I just got fired. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I I found that issue. Another thing that I found that I also forgot, and then I it's it's something that I always forget that I can't stand um, dealing with most libertarians, even the ones that are like ideologically consistent they're all midwits and they're all like okay here's an example we had someone that said i don't believe heroin should be legalized i believe it should be replaced by a free market alternative that gets people the high they want without killing them i bet a hundred percent of heroin addicts would agree with me what's that what what is that <laughs> that's so i was listening to um a debate between Trent Hoare and Jimmy Akin today on uh, Catholic stuff. And in it, one of the guys said that when he was in grad school, he got asked the question, could God make a rock so heavy only he could lift it? And he replied when he was a grad student, uh, well, a rock that heavy would implode on itself and become a black hole and cease to be a rock. And the professor said, you just answered the question while completely missing the point. Welcome to academia. And that's the exact same energy I get from that, where it's like, okay, great job. You answered the question, have fun. There was a clear point being made in this. For the sake of the argument, there is no alternative. The, the alternative I don't care if it can exist or not. For the sake of the question, there is none. Would you still support X or Y? And it, the people fall up. A specific type of person falls apart on that. And this is why David loves the uh, the breakfast question. Yeah, it's, it's perfect. It's, that's exactly what these people are. They're the people who can't answer the breakfast question. It's, it's, it's not the hypotheticals. And, and also, like, um, and I saw more of these. Uh, I'm going through something because the heroin thing really got people. Well, and I, mean, I will also say, while you're going through them, I... You originally complained about the responses you got to this, and I'd gone back and forth like 15 times with someone underneath it. So I I thought you were complaining about my argument. No, and you were. And then I looked in there. Are. There are 90 comments off of your post. Yeah, it's 90 comments, and like 90% of them are the worst. Like, here's an example. It has 26,000 views. <laughs> yeah, and here's an example. I don't support either. I support making the state illegal. Like this is an example of the type of libertarian that what is what what even does that mean? What does that mean? You will never I, I hate I actually intensely dislike a lot of post-libertarians, but this is one I actually want to say stop living in Encapistan in your head. Stop living in your head. The, you the, will never get your utopia. Libertarian people were totally right about that. And that's, they're, that's they're exactly right about what that. Almost all of them, especially when you find them online, are all doing. And it's like, I know of it. I don't want to do that. I want to ban the state. That's the worst. That's that's like a taxation and theft slogan, but way worse. Like, it's just a it's not a good slogan. It's it's not a good slogan. And it also sounds like it's like it's someone that definitely like it's probably you know what it is. It's someone that went Tim Pool to like, actually, no, it's not because those people are I, I'll get to some of those people. It's it's someone that like it's the social club thing and they say the catchphrase yeah. and it's like, how, okay, how do you implement that? How do you make the state illegal? How, how do you do that? And and then there, there was, there you go. No, 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 I was just to say the worst question I've ever heard at a Mises U like Q and A at the end 
was somebody asked, what is, how do you find the marginal value of truth? And the answer is that's a bunch of buzzwords put into one sentence and nonsense. The professors are much more respectful than I am and gave a much better, more respectful answer. But my buddy looked at me while we heard that question. And he said, so many of the kinds of kids who go to Mises U, God bless all of them. And I love them, but you know, they're a little autistic. And he said, and all of them just want to outsmart the teacher. And that's what the let's ban the state thing is. It's trying to outsmart the teacher. And it's like, look, it's skipping the question. And and I have an even better example of that when someone was like, oh, you failed to be a libertarian with your second question. A true libertarian wouldn't recognize the state's authority to legalize anything. Now, that's a purity test. That right there is what you call a purity test because it's it's like – it, and, and this is the problem is like, well, what would you what would you have me say? Decriminalize? That's not even as good as legalize. Well, They're like, well, legalize again, means just, regulate. Just in, okay, a true libertarian wouldn't recognize their authority to be. OK, well, right now, can you and I, you being this moron on Twitter, can you and I agree something is stopping you from doing heroin? I don't know if it's a legitimate authority or not. There's something, though, that's making it harder to do heroin than it would otherwise be. Whatever that is, would you be okay with pulling that back? Exactly. And they're like, but the state can regulate it. Then it's like, this is they're trying to outsmart the teacher. I'm just trying to get heroin into the veins of every American. And you're stopping me. I want every street corner to look like the street corners in Steubenville, Ohio. <laughs> but yeah, so there's, and there was other ones like, um, I had a few that said that the Civil Rights Act was more good than bad. And they were talking about how like, there was parts of the Civil Rights Act that limited the government. And I was like, yeah, but it violates freedom of association. Like, that's just a straight up thing. And again, this is why like, it, it, well, my, my other thing with the Civil Rights Act, though, gave a talk during the vaccine mandates and correlates similarly to the C Civil Rights Act, where he said, when you, when you're sitting here, though, took it a little further than the average libertarian, where he said, when you're sitting here arguing, no one should be discriminated against, and the, your opponents are arguing we should only be able to discriminate you against, uh, discriminate against you if X, Y, and Z. Your common ground is you, specifically as the libertarian, should be allowed to be discriminated against. And these anti-discrimination laws always come to, you can't discriminate, discriminate against anyone except the enemies of the regime. So even if it does restrict the government's authority in X, Y, and Z way, it restricts the government's ability to discriminate against some crazy left winger. It and, does yeah. not restrict its ability to, to discriminate against you. It, and it also like, and it's funny because I remember when all the vaccine vax mandates things were happening, there was a lot of heated debate about like, should the government step in and try to ban vax mandates? Now the, or like, yeah, ban, ban that type of stuff. And I saw libertarians some that were very consistent be like, no, a private business can do what they want. And then other people are like, you're just simping for the regime. It's like, well, you have to see the natural conclusion of any anti-discrimination law, like what you're saying. And it's always going to end up with you as the enemy of the regime being persecuted. And also here's one of the things, and this is why I like, 
I will I will bring up repealing the Civil Rights Act sometimes to like crazy leftists online, even actually like resist libs. You know, like the type of like the the boomer wine mom that like voted for Hillary and wrote in for Hillary in 2020. <laughs> Like, yeah, because they're like, I just hate the Trumpers so much. They want to ban black people. I'm like, well, wouldn't you want to ban uh, Trump supporters from your business? And they're like, oh, why do you even think? It's like, because I know there's, it's like the, it's like the green goblin in the, in the suit in the corner, like in the voice whispering in their ear, like, yeah, you want to ban Trump supporters from your business. I know you do. I know you do. So let, so I have a great solution for you. <laughs> there's a thing called the civil rights act. It's like, that it just and and then with other civil rights act things like I oh man I'm seeing a lot of um because I'm I'm oh God every time I I go through this these comments I see all the things like what is it with libertarians and gatekeeping like <laughs> well and for what it's worth my biggest issue with your gatekeeping is you're not gatekeeping nearly enough mm -hmm. yeah, gatekeeping I mean, I think, is uh, good. Gatekeeping is very, I I in I've said it on the podcast several times before is that I think like especially the nerds in the in the in the you know dispossessed need to gatekeep as much as they can and keep leftist freaks away from their their institutions. Yeah, um but absolutely. yeah. And but I I also like I think that yeah, true libertarians should be called true libertarians. If you're not a true libertarian, that's okay. Most people aren't and you're probably a more well-adjusted person in society if you're not and i also think like and, th and this is the problem is they think oh but the lp can do stuff the lp never has a chance the lp should be dissolved and abolished i'm very sorry to all the people that are are listening that like the lp it should either I'm be not a, i'm not yeah. sorry at all to those people it it should be a, it should be a pack that's if you want to put money to that it should be like the mises pack and like then you should then you should take candidates someone like blake masters and be like listen Blake Masters is bad on foreign policy, especially with China and like some of the border stuff. He's great on some things, but he's pretty bad. But I would go, listen, I know you have to say this for your donors. What if we gave money to you so you can run your campaign and you don't have to say we're, that that Chinese soldiers are going to land on the beaches of California? You picked the worst possible comparison. You think Peter Thiel money is going to even blink at the threat of Mises money. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I was going to say, yeah, Peter Thiel money is is pretty hardcore. If you gave all of the money that the Mises caucus has ever touched in their personal and professional lives combined, Peter Thiel wouldn't even notice. That's fair. That's and then then I would I I'd actually probably go more like to gubernatorial runs and and smaller level <laughs> things like state senate i do think that the concept the music caucus has of a decentralized revolution is a great concept if you're not running as a libertarian and if you're running as part of like take your old your gop you know state senate full of boomers and get some new blood in there you know do something like that if you want to well, do it, on top of it when you talk about state senate, so i used to be a legislative aide for the florida house of Rep representatives and the representative i worked for it was me and the guy I was in a pyramid scheme with years before. Now, to be <laughs> fair, I'm underselling him. He's actually a respectable member of our community. But, like, that's how I knew him. I got into the Florida House of Representatives legislative staff through a pyramid scheme. There are – it is a very wide open door to your state 
your state Republican Party and your state House of Representatives. And it is your state has a lot more influence over you than your country. Exactly. You could literally, if you're old enough by your by your uh, communities or your state's laws, you could probably win a state House of Representatives race by accident. It is not highly fought over. Yeah. And it, instead, people are bothering with stuff that doesn't matter. Yeah, it's like, and and that's and, and part of me always feels kind of bad because I, I, it's funny because the Mises Caucus right now is going through some deep turmoil but it's always funny seeing I that like you didn't know that you didn't uh didn't, don't follow him anymore good don't 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 bother it's all a bunch of drama and petty bs um that doesn't matter but it it's falling apart <laughs> but um the I, some part of me like it's funny because a lot of times they'll be like oh we endorse this candidate for city council and and it's like Part of my brain is like, oh, this is the decentralized revolution. And then part of me is like, well, if you're going to have a chance, this is actually kind of one of the chances you'll have to 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 make a difference. So, like, sure, run more people in very local office. Yeah, and the I will say the flip side of it is as it gets into local offices, there's not really a need for the Mises Caucus in the local offices. Like there's there's nothing they bring to the table that's going to make your local city commission race that much more competitive. Yeah. And quite frankly, your city commission race run as any letter of the alphabet. I don't care. It's city commission. Run as the run national as socialist. Run as whatever. It you don't need to be a libertarian Mises caucus. Sign up for insert party here that's more popular in your county. I don't care at all. Because the issues won't even be things that the party takes firm stances on. They'll be local issues or the issues that get you elected, at least, will be local issues that the rest of the party doesn't care about. Yeah. And it's it, it, and it's also like the yeah, I completely agree. It's and also when it comes to like someone that's not an anarchist that's in power, that's doing everything they can to reduce the size of the government. That's literally what Hoffa talks about and uh, what must be done. That's the, yep. and, it, and it's funny because a lot of people misinterpret what must be done into a thing of like, well, use local office to make your mini dictatorship. No, it's literally to get someone in office that the, or, their only job is to reduce the power. Yep. Um, and I think a lot of post-libertarians misread Hoffa and this is something that we got into our last episode where it's like, no, Hoppe doesn't say you can kill the gay people. It's, it's, he's, he's actually someone that likes the Hoppe NAP. Hoppe does fall short there. <laughs> Hoppe is someone that likes the NAP so much he literally bases an like a argumentation ethics around it. And then a theory of socialism, capitalism is like anyone that isn't a man kept social. It's, we talked about this last time. But um, it's funny because I was looking through more of the stuff as well. And it... um. I found so many people that were, were just like, if a state, like, you know, I don't want shit legalized. I want it decriminalized. It's like, shut up, shut up. So I, I'm now a PhD student. I was a libertarian for several years. I still don't really know the difference between legalized and decriminalized. It's decriminalized just that it's no longer a criminal offense. And then legalized is that it's not illegal at all. I, from what I remember, okay, so in Austin, 
um, I think possession of weed is decriminalized. I'm pretty sure. You can't have legal, like, legalized means that, like, I can walk into the marijuana store and buy marijuana. Like this glass of water is legalized. It's there's not, there's no real, like there's no, I don't want to say no real restriction because I know you have autistic listeners who will tell me there are 57. (laughs) But it's there's for all intents and purposes, there's a legalized would be unrestricted. You can just do what you want with it. Whereas decriminalized might be like, yeah we're not you know you can't really open a weed store but you're but that that one and i know you know that one hydroponics store that's in your neighborhood that sells hydroponics and you're like what does that mean we're a hydroponics that store sells weed and and if you buy from it it's like and if they that looks like connor is gone and then he's back we're back we're back we're so back (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um but yeah that's that's the whole that's the whole legalized decriminalizing from what i remember and i'm sure someone will correct me if i'm wrong but it, it shows again like how a lot of these people are midwits they're they're all midwits and they're all like they they understand stuff well enough to the point where they go i can clearly see some examples of right and wrong here but i'm so set in my own singular vision of how to fix it that I won't accept that that's not the true way to fix it. Well, and and that it's it will never happen. It's, it's that they don't want to fix it. They want to be special. Like it's, it's, yeah, they, that's, it's, they couldn't care less about fixing it. That They want to be special. This whole thing with, the, they have the name libertarian is that's like, they don't want to be normal. Like they, they don't want to be that Republican. That's good. They want to be a libertarian. And also this is another problem I have is that a lot of these people also think that, most people are secretly libertarian. No, they're not. No, they're not. Most people don't care. And there's not a mini Rothbard in all of us that's that's gonna that's gonna come out. Most people look at libertarians as crazy freak shows. Most people, if you talk to an average libertarian, the how will we build the roads argument is day one. Like that's the most boring of topics because every libertarian in the world has grappled with it and dealt with it. The vast majority of people do not think roads can be built without government. And it's not just because public education drilled it into them. It's because the vast majority of people don't really desire a world without government with or without public education. Um, And uh, Walter Block said this best. And I always agree with Walter Block when he's talking about libertarians because he always makes them sound worse than I ever could. (laughs) (laughs) Walter Block said that most libertarians today are the mutants of the world and that it would take outright genetic evolution to get people to want to live in a libertarian society. Yeah, it's called breeding more autistic people, Connor. Yeah. I'm doing my Honestly, best. the libertarians have made a fatal flaw in pushing against the <laughs> It's so true. I, and it's, it's, it's funny because, like, the they want to be special so bad and they want to be unique and, and different. And you're right. Most normal people forget the roads. They can't think about a private police. They can't think oh, about a private. Yeah. And, and also here's the thing as well. Like if you're, if you're going to talk about the ideal anarcho capitalist society where all of your needs are met by different corporations, <laughs> most people wouldn't want to live in that anyway, even if it no, saved them money, I don't. because 
Yeah, I don't because I know that I, you know, my my money goes somewhere. And then through devilish machinations, I have a police force and a fire department and roads and water and electricity. I don't have to pay a separate bill for every single one of those people. Actually, I do have for my electricity. That's different. But <laughs> but like most people don't people are much more anything that gives them more convenience they will choose um for the most part and it's uh and certain people will will do this higher than others and i don't i don't even think that it's a, an issue of time preference either because you could say that the more convenient decision gives you more time to focus on something else right like yeah. you know like i mean you could say that but no it's not that it's the people are lazy Oh yeah, people people yeah. are lazy. I mean, I but I, I would also say that like someone's like if someone's got a family, I can yeah. completely understand why they'd be like, I don't want to I already have 10 bills to deal with. Imagine if that one big bill turned into 10 different other ones. Now I've got 20 bills to deal with. And you know, now there's also there's competing agencies as well. You know, there's the Mick police, but there's also Police King, and there's also uh what a police, and like I'm going with what a police. I'm going day long. <laughs> oh, I gotta have a patty. I have to have a patty melt. I haven't had a patty melt. Oh my gosh! So last night I had somebody over for a cigar, and I had Whataburger for dinner. And in my friend's generosity, he brought me Whataburger. So I have it in my fridge right now. That's what I'm heating up for dinner. Oh man, that sounds great. I don't even know. I'm I'm probably gonna go. There's a few taco stands by some gas stations around me, and there's like no English spoken. And I'm gonna Beautiful. go. Yeah, I'm going to go have some tacos probably. Beautiful. <laughs> I once said I um so there's a uh there's a bakery in Rome that shut down this summer. And it had been some bakery that served like the last like however many popes or whatever. And I remember I shared it while I was sitting at, like in my Mises Institute chat. And I was like, guys, I will become a full-blown socialist to, to save this bakery. I feel the same exact way about sketchy taco shops at gas stations. Oh yeah. I would sell out every principle I've ever had to protect them. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, I would I there's a lot of principles I would sell to protect my pet interests. And I think that's another thing that like a principled libertarians should acknowledge is like I think Walter David told me that Walter Block said this, so I don't know if I think but what libertarians are allowed to have one cheat. Yeah, one, that's a Walter Blockism. Yeah. Every libertarian gets one. Like, I think the one I don't, I can't even think about the one for me, but it's probably the fact that I would prefer like city statism. That's that's my ideal world, it, and that's why I actually am kind of drawn to some of Hoffa's stuff. And I, well, I was gonna say that's not necessarily using your cheat, that's that's very Hoppian. Well, it's very Hoppian, but it's also the concept of like, I, I'd rather live under a benevolent monarchy. Um, and I would also, that's also somewhat Hoppian as well. I, making some good points here i'm interested well here's the thing i i honestly as long as i have the money to keep myself and my family happy i really don't care and most people are the same way yeah, I well, that not only are most people the same way most people should be the same way i i always said uh i'd argue with my Mises institute buddies that i would freaking kill myself if I ever dated a girl who was getting a PhD in economics, I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, I don't want at the end of the day for her to be as interested in economics as I am. I don't even like that. I'm that interested. In it. 
<laughs> yeah, and it's like at the end of the day, most people shouldn't care that much about the politics. And if everybody has to care about politics, that's an awful world. Yeah, and I, I it's funny because my uh, the 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 girl I'm seeing right now, um, she's like kind of conservative like she doesn't really care too much but like her dad was a cop and a fireman or a fireman but also went to police she's like a peace officer which is is a apparently like not a full-blown cop but like you know it was funny describing gun law stuff to her she's like you guys can't even defend yourselves in new york um and like other stuff but she doesn't really care too much like we'll talk about certain things and she'll say certain things but like I would hate if some if someone walked up to me and was like, "Yeah, I'm a girl, and I also hate the government." And I'm like, I read a lot of theory. I'd be like, "Get away from me! You are a dude." <laughs> well, and to be fair, the girl I'm dating, I met through the Mises Institute, so I'm not going to act sit here and act like she's completely <laughs> normal on all these things. But also, like when we've talked about, it, she's like, "I I make much more of a difference in this being a wife and mother than anything else." I'm like, "Yep, yep." Yeah, and that well, yeah, and it's like I I think that there there are some people, and I don't know. Coming back to this as well, I think there's a lot of libertarians that are like, I would sacrifice myself to preserve freedom around the world. I'm like, shut up. Why? Why would you? Why would you do that? Like I, I'm a devout Catholic. If I haven't mentioned that yet, and I like to believe that I would sacrifice myself for God. I like to believe that. The truth of the matter is I've never been put in a position where I had to be a martyr. I, I never have. I hope I would do it. But to sit here and pretend that for the freedom of some guy a half a, a half a thousand miles away, you'll sacrifice your life. I'm like, shut up. No, you won't. No, you yeah. won't. Because that I promise you that liberty doesn't matter to you the way God does to me. And I actually you know what that i you're yeah you're about to make a good point there's people that would die for their perceived cause of liberty it is a religion to them yeah and it's like it's it it, they the same person who will tweet that statism statism exists because people have to worship something and now it's the government instead of their religion that same person worships nine out of ten times does not have a religion and worships libertarianism and and it's also the thing of like they they it's and 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 they will sacrifice their family sacrifice thing for this perceived notion you're no different from like they're and the the, the funniest thing is when they'll talk about all the leftists are in a cult it's like no you're in a cult too the cult has better principles for the most part but like you are in a cult if you will sacrifice yourself or your family for an ideology support like in man it just it irritates me and, and going through some of these comments as well i've been looking through some of them and one of them that got me was uh <laughs> someone from the handle of dem sock john brown so democratic socialist john brown so you support racism good to know you don't understand what it is to be for liberty and freedom <laughs> i if if someone put, like I just don't I I really don't understand like why people put up such a huge stink over some of the anti like supporting some of the anti discrimination stuff. It's like so what the the baker didn't bake the cake for your gay couple. Like there are ten bakers in your town. You can go to a different one. Like and hopefully we'll convince the other ten bakers as well. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> but like, but that's you know it. 
especially there was another one that was about like a website recently. There was one about a website where they wouldn't design a website for things like. Yeah, I remember that. It was like you're in the tech field. You, that's like a leftist thing. You you can't find another web developer that's going Although to. It's 2023. You just need like a YouTube video. <laughs> yeah, you can you can just go. Hey, I would you know I'm looking for a, a a web developer to support my gay. And the other thing is this this is the other reason why gatekeeping is so important because for the sake of argument, let's say it is racist to be against the Civil Rights Act. Can you be racist and a libertarian? Yes. The is yes. But this person believes it's no. Those are two fundamentally at odds opinions. And, and if and you can't yeah. narrow down what the word means, then what on earth are you doing? And in fact, Hoppe talked about how for this was at the speech he gave at Mises U. He talked about how for libertarianism to exist in the first place, for private property rights, for any of this to exist, we have to concede some shared form of communication exists. And if you're going to sit here and libertarianism means anti racist, pro pro-drugs, but anti-racist. And then there's the guy who commented, uh, Paleo, where he says it's anti the Civil civil Rights Act, but it is against uh, heroin. Those are two 100% different views, and they cannot exist under the same umbrella. And you need to define the words you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Litmus test, because it's, it's not even a litmus test. It's A litmus test would be actively preventing them from something or someone. It's literally just having words have meanings. And words have to have meanings. Jeff I, Deist, yeah. one of his best papers ever. Look up Language Vandals by Jeff Deist. It's criticizing the left in the way they've criticized language. But uh, Holzman has something on it that Jeff quotes in it. Language is the last institution that exists. And they're trying to destroy it, but it is a very vital institution. And without the institution of language, you can't have anything and you need litmus tests and gatekeeping for language to work. Exactly. And also, here's another thing. I, I'm more than happy to litmus test and gatekeep to the right. I think there are, because you can be, you know, you can be a bigoted racist libertarian. You can also be a trans, furry, unbelievably hedonistic libertarian. You can have those, and if that, and if, the and if what he just said convinced you libertarianism sounds sketchy, find me at Natural Authority. <laughs> natural Authority. Oh, that's um, right. The Y didn't fit. Um, well, the in in like, but that's the thing, and and like, it's funny. We have uh, our our friend Joe. Like he talks about. I was like, yeah, I'm a very high time preference individual. I'm still libertarian. I'm still a hoppian. Like you know, it, it, I think I remember seeing something where like there was some like hoppy and that was like low time preference is the only way to be and he's like i'm responding to this while driving and drunk and high and eating pizza i love being a high time preference individual i uh i hope that joe listens to your podcast because he'll be one of one people who appreciates what i'm about to say but he and i had a whole talk about this at mises U. the low time preference is the only way blah blah, blah means you haven't read hoppy because time preference is what makes time preference is not a, so, a social or an ethical principle is an economics principle that makes intertemporal trade trade possible and for low time preference to matter there has to be someone else high time preference 
for you to intertemporally trade with. And yep. the more often than not, someone's entire understanding of time reference is the first chapter of Democracy, The God That Failed. And it is a phenomenal chapter. And it, the point it makes that a generally lower time reference society is able to develop more is hugely important. But what it's saying is that saving allows you to build more in the future, but you still have to consume now. The you act always not, have to consume now. High time preference is literally the act of pulling the trigger. And 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 also with that, like the this is one of the other issues that I have with a lot of those like trad Hoppians, because there's a lot of positions that they have that are very high time preference. The concept of seizing power now that's a, that's an unbelievably short sight. It's like you don't understand how the pendulum works. It's unbelievably high time for it. Even even another cultural thing because a lot of them will be like you know get married young, have kids young. It's like actually the lowest time preference thing would would be to like propose someone and not marry until you're secure enough. But you don't know when that secure point will be. However, you still should get married young and seize power now. Well, okay. both of those things are right. I would disagree with the 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 power example in the way that they use it. I think that if you want to seize power, it's fine. But if you want to seize power, and then you're going to use that power to 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 create a sweeping range of oppressive laws, don't be surprised when the coup happens. No, nope, I'm okay with it. Just beat the coup. Be better than the coup. Simple as. I mean, like this is the argument for Franco is that if you if you make a dictatorship that's that people like enough then you won't have the coup. Um, you wrote a thing I on that. I just went down my Franco rabbit hole this summer. Dear Lord, I loved it. Franco is one of my heroes after reading um, <laughs> oh my God. The Last Crusade. Such a good book. I, I am... Like, I would... Let's just say I wouldn't complain being under Franco. But like, you know, there's things that I probably wouldn't enjoy... But like, I, I It'd be think better than now. Maybe I, I there, think that. Well, it's that's the concept. That's another thing. Like uh, the the concept of dictatorship or monarchy versus democracy is the concept of. I know that Franco is making all those decisions. I do not know who off who like which committee, which person, and which committee made the bill that's causing my rights to be stripped away. In this thing and well, technically i'm supposed to they're representing me no they're not i may or may not have an article coming out with a similar point it hasn't officially been accepted yet so i, I can't say it's coming <laughs> yeah. out but i i've submitted one of the mises wire and i wrote it was on just war theory and the thesis i have is that because we don't know who's representing us and because the representatives can't know all their people and blah blah, blah a democratic state and I can already hear the comments on Twitter telling me that we're a representative republic. But a <laughs> democratic state, for all intents and purposes, um, can't have a just war because one of Aquinas's principles of just war is that it has right authority and just cause. Those are two of them. I'm like, well, what's the authority in a democracy? In Back when Aquinas was writing in 1200, it was very clear that that guy wanted to go to war, and our cause for going to war was that that guy didn't like that other guy. Whereas now it's like, well, 47 people voted for us to go to war, 
and each of those 47 people is paid for by a different military yeah i was just gonna say it's like yeah technically you could argue that it it is one person it's the ceo or it's the ceos of like lockheed and boeing and stuff like that even that there's lockheed and there's boeing (laughs) well yeah and 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 that's and like i lean more anti-war than just war um, I, I understand some of the stuff with Just War. So Mitchell Robson and I talked about it recently. Oh, Mitchell's I great. I think in 2023, it's a substantially, disti- it's a distinction without a difference. If we had a war anytime soon that Just War said was just and the anti-war people were opposed to, it'd make the conversation more interesting. But our last, like, 17 wars haven't been just, and it makes it somewhat pointless. Our last just war was the War of 1812. I Honestly, probably, it's probably that. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I yeah. I, I don't think, um, and even then, we aggressed. <laughs> um, so, like, because you can't, I don't, neither of the world wars, we really had a real, uh, actually, you know what? Fighting the Japanese. Although, just war theory, another part of just war theory is that it's your last resort. We certainly were not in the realm of last resort. Europe may have been, but we were not. Yeah, and that's, I mean, like, that's another, like, I think that if you were to, actually, you can probably better argue, um, the U.S. intervention into World War II, at least on the Japanese side, using the NAP, than you can with, with um, like just worth it because Japan attacked. We technically have the right yeah. to to defend. Like you can, like I, I am, I actually do, and it's funny because um, I, it's something that I might talk to some of the anti-war people about. Um, is 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 a thing I have, which I think that the U.S. involvement in World War II would have been inevitable because j- even if even if we didn't kind of provoke Pearl Harbor, which we kind of did, Japan was already eyeing the Philippines. It was already eyeing Guam. It was already doing that stuff. It was going to happen. You know, we're and 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 like this is not even getting into our ethical stuff with that war, but just our involvement in World War I, the Japanese theater was going to happen regardless. Um, does that mean we should have sent troops over to D-Day? I don't know. I mean, my personal thing is, why don't we just, why did, why did we stop when we hit the Soviets? We just could have kept rolling through the Soviets. <laughs> why, why stop? You know, don't nuke, no, don't nuke Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Nuke uh, Stalingrad and Moscow. <laughs> well, to quote a wise young prince, who I think tweeted this, but it could have could have been a text or something. We shouldn't have nuked Hiroshima and Nagasaki. We should have nuked Waco, Texas. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. Waco, Waco, Texas already looks like it's been bombed out. It is like outside of Baylor, it is a rough city. Buddy, inside of Baylor, it is rough. <laughs> yeah. Kind of rough. I, I will say though, uh, McLaren Stadium was very pretty on the river. Um, okay, first of all, it's McLean Stadium. Oh, McLean. Second of all, it's McLean Stadium. Third <laughs> of all, no, it wasn't pretty. It's a filthy toilet bowl that I piss on every time I get the chance. <laughs> well, I had a nice time. <laughs> um, I do think like there there are some parts, actually, there are some parts of the other campus I really like, but there are other parts that are like, eh. 
Um, I've actually had a nice time every time I've been to Baylor, but that's because I got to kick their teeth in while I was there. <laughs> oh, man, you should have been at that game. You should have been at that Baylor-Texas uh, game. It was... I think I would have killed myself. <laughs> the thing is, like, don't get me wrong. That was the outcome I wanted, and I was rooting for Texas. But, like, I was I was really rooting for a natural disaster. <laughs> Either of those team winning is not great for me. <laughs> you were rooting for Texas to win, but their quarterback to get, like, a torn ACL or something like that. Yeah, yes and no, because I like Quinn Ewers, so I don't want them to lose. And I know how Texas fans are. If Quinn hurt himself, all I'd hear for the rest of my life would have been, oh, that 2023 season, we had the national championship. If not for Quinn's MCL, that would have been the one. I hate Texas fans so much. Like, all the Baylor people I met were really cool and chill. Half the Texas people. Okay, actually, uh, you know what was funny was um, at the Kappa Sig tailgate, there were, like, Texas and Baylor people together, and most of them were actually relatively chill. Um, there, generally there are like just because the Kappa Sigs from Baylor will show up at the Texas game and they'll intermingle and they both know they suck and are disappointing deep down and all of their parents wish they'd gone to TCU so <laughs> they can bond over that but even as I'm kind of a Baylor fan because my buddy goes there and you're a TCU guy Raider Rash uh, Raiders no yeah <laughs> I still say that at our games here <laughs> Because they do the Raider power chant and uh, they yell Raider. And I don't care how many games I go to as a tech student. I'm never going to stop yelling back rash. That's it's ingrained in me. Also, I will say the bears fight thing sucks. Like this whole thing sucks. I hate it so much. You know what else sucks? The Baylor line where all the freshmen run out wearing yellow. Yeah. First of all, yellow is an ugly color, and every time Baylor puts it into their uniforms, it looks like mustard at best. I like the black uniforms with the green and gold highlights. That's a nice look. That's a solid look. I like, they did that, they wore basically those uniforms one year that we did a whiteout against them, and it was, it was a really good vibe, where like, our guys were in our full icy whites, and they were in those dark blacks. It good versus evil the whole kitten caboodle <laughs> that's a cool yeah I, I, seeing the entire student section black was cool uh yeah. it was it was the most black that uh mclean stadium has been since rg3 was at baylor i'll tell you the blackest tcu has ever been was a month ago when Dion sanders came to town they freaking came out of the woodworks for Dion. Yeah, I've been a lifelong Colorado fan. <laughs> I don't know anyone's name except Dion Sanders and Shador Sanders and Shiloh Sanders, but I swear my whole life. Yeah, I like part of me is a fan because Dion Sanders was a 49er for a year. So I thought I only hated Dion because they beat TCU. But then, like, the season's gone on, and, like, I've stopped hating Travis Hunter, and I've stopped hating Shadur Sanders, and, like, I've stopped hating all the Colorado people. So, like, the 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 emotion's gone, and I still hate Dion. <laughs> yeah, so I think I just hate Dion. <laughs> he does have some cold lines. I remember seeing one where he was like, I was, when I came out the womb, I was booed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That, that's hard. One, it's such an intense line, but it's also hilarious if you take even a second to think about it. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, think, I just imagine that. I can't get over. I had to fight with people on Twitter 
there were all these people on Twitter claiming. So Dion was last a year and a half ago when TCU was getting a new head coach. Dion was in the running for our new head coach. And there were all these people saying in the last couple of weeks with all the hype Dion's been getting that TCU only didn't hire Dion because of racism. <laughs> and I was like sitting there, I was like, look, don't get me wrong. Do I believe TCU would be a racist school? I sure hope so. However, technically Baylor is more racist. If you look at all the, if you all, all the metrics. Oh, for sure. Oh yeah. yeah. Especially in the last few years, TCU went full BLM after 2020. But, um, but disregarding that, I was like, guys, I don't know. The coach they did hire went to a national championship on his first year. Maybe they hired him for a reason. Like maybe it wasn't just that that guy was white. Was that the one where you guys got slaughtered by um, yeah, 65 yeah. to seven by Georgia? Well, but you that's, that's going to happen. I don't even care. If you told little eight year old Connor, TCU was going to lose a national championship by 60 points. Little eight-year-old Connor would have cried tears of joy. <laughs> Forget eight-year-old Connor. If you told 25-year-old Connor that, he would have cried. <laughs> Did you? Oh, January 1st, when we, when it, I guess it was really December 31st, when we beat Michigan, by far the best day of my life, full-on sports tears. I stand by and always will that the day my son is born, I will look him in the eyes and say, this is almost as good as the night we won the Fiesta Bowl. <laughs> I will tell him that for his whole life. <laughs> so it's, it's funny. Cause like that also reminds me, and it's something I was meaning to talk about with David a little bit, but it's, you're a great person to talk about with it as well. And it's uh, how it tradcasts are Protestant. I think we end up talking about this at some point. Um, because it was like the concept of like how most of the trad people online are just Protestant in nature and yes. they can't show emotions and they can't like, yes, absolutely. Um, my, you follow that guy, uh, Cato on Twitter, right? Cato's great. He shared a link with me to a Brazilian journal article or something that he translated because I don't speak pinata, but when I read through it, the whole thesis of it was basically that the uh, the modernists and the tradcasts are two sides of the same coin. And again, with this whole Protestant nature thing, a lot of the tradcasts spin out of rejecting Pope Francis because he's a relatively liberal pope. Except for the fact that the second you do that, you are like, by definition going into, that's what Protestantism is. Protestantism is a wide umbrella term. Really what it takes is to reject the Catholic Church. I mean, there's the Orthodox who are their own camp. But other than that, it is, I reject the Pope. Yeah. So these tradcasts start doing it and they get culturally very the same as Protestants where once you start rejecting that church authority, you become your own church authority. And when you do that, um, uh, G.K. Chesterton has a great quote on this, that the reason that his quote is way better. Look up. Uh, oh, no, it's not Chesterton's fence. I don't know. Look up something like what I'm talking about. Um, but he uh, he says the reason the Catholic Church is so rigid is that if you were to take an island that had an, a thousand foot ledge coming off the other side and anyone who stepped over the edge would fall to their death, 
that if you put 15 kids on that island and then checked back in in five years, you would find 12 kids tightly huddled in the center of the island because they were afraid to get close to the edge. So if you put 15 kids on the same island and put a firm fence around the island, you'd come back in five years and you'd find kids, 15 kids, and they'd be looking over the edge of the fence. But the fence would be stopping them from going over. He said the point of the rigidity of the church is to tell you going past this will be bad for your soul. But then to say anything within this fence is fine. And I might not like it, but as long as it's fair game of the church, it's fine. And it's okay to be flexible within the rigidity. And when the trad cats start rejecting the rigidity and setting their own rigidities, they become that first group of kids where they no longer can trust the fence and they are huddled in the center saying that drinking is bad, saying that holding hands is bad, saying that smoking that, cigars Oh my is bad. God. Well, this is another thing from you. Uh, you sometimes like, it was, it was Catholic Orca again. So he did a thing today. <laughs> he, did a, he did a tweet today where he's like, food, like, uh, I don't like food stands. They remind me of the third world. Uh-oh. And like, this is a thing where I'm just like, again, this is someone that hasn't lived life. I think a lot of the. So hold on. I, I missed the whole thing. I, I, I lost service. So last I heard was he did a tweet today. Oh, gotcha. Uh, so uh, he said um, food stands are bad in third world. Oh. And I was like, well, I mean, here, here's my issue with that. And as someone that hasn't lived life, I think a lot of the track cats haven't lived life. They probably grew up in a very Protestant, and this is the problem with Protestantism, it's so backwards. It's so backwards culturally, especially evangelicalism. The only thing I really like from like a Protestant evangelical dominations is black gospel churches because the musicianship that comes from those is very good. And because how can you not love the black? Give me an amen. <laughs> I want to see you moving and shaking. I want to see your hands in the air. I want to see you praising the Lord. Like the, the Latin mass I go to in Florida has a has a priest who used to be a black church like that. So it's so great because he does the whole mass in very serious Latin. And when he gets to the homily, like he's not talking like that, but you can just tell in his voice that he wants to be talking like that. <laughs> I want to see my brothers and sisters getting amen. Can I? <laughs> but anyway, keep going. Evangelical. Well, well I, yeah. And, and I think that they're all very backwards. They haven't, they haven't lived life. Like you go, you go anywhere else in the world, and you're going to find a lot of these things that that a lot of Americans are going to find like dirty and distasteful. And like, even when it comes to cultural things, if you go into Italy, they're going to be a lot more physical with you. Like there's a very, in America, you like, you know, when you go into an elevator, you go to the edges and you don't talk to anybody. <laughs> you go like other places, you're social. They're going to talk yeah. to you. Uh, in Spain, you greet people by doing like the mwah, mwah type thing. Actually, that's one thing that you you also sometimes hug in Spain as well. Spain is very touchy-feely it was great when i was there as a 15 year old single guy um uh but like that's it and 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 there will be customs that you'll find gross but that's just people living life and a lot of people haven't lived life and also going back and and uh kind of circling back to some of the stuff because i think one of those things ends up being um while we're on the topic of religion um do you want to quickly do the drug debate yeah sure so i i told you this before 
the drug debate's not going to be a long debate because I don't think we're actually going to substantially disagree that much. I'm less worried that it's not going to be long since we made it an hour before we even touched on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so first and foremost, I was being, when I said no on your tweet, I was just trying to piss people off. And I very luckily did piss off some chick. Um, <laughs> she, she's she's all right. The, her biggest problem is that she's an objectivist and it's, and, and, and it shows. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a real shame because I, I, I think that, and I will say a lot of objectivists have been very good at rejecting what's his name, that Yaron Brook guy, the guy from the Ayn Rand Institute. Oh, he's, yeah. doing, he's talking about like glassing Gaza. Like a lot of objectivists have been like the Ayn Rand Institute does not represent us. That being said, most objectivists I talk to are some of the most preachy, autistic, like very hard to interact with libertarians. There's a very short pamphlet that Rothbard wrote called The Sociology of the Ayn Rand Cult. It's like 30 pages, but they're small pages. It's well worth the read. It, I'm going to read really, that. really hammers the... Now, when I read it, I my only flaw with it is I very well could have written a similar book called The Sociology of the Rothbard Cult, and it wouldn't have had to change that many words. Um, but it's still a great read, and it was written by 90s Rothbard, which is when he was at his absolute most unhinged and best. Um, but... The drug thing, I'm not actually a drug warrior. My stance on drugs, what it really is, is more a matter of priority than it is a matter of fundamental philosophy. I have no real qualm with legalizing drugs. Um, I think Ron Paul was wrong when he stood up on that stage and had his famous moment where he said, uh, who in this room would do heroin if it were legalized? See, it's not like that whole moment he had where he, showed the drug war is not what's stopping you from doing heroin. I think um, I think uh, maybe in that room at a Republican primary, they weren't likely to do heroin. But I, I think generally speaking, if you legalize something, there will be more of it. And I think the prohibition economics are not always that great on it. I, I'm open to the case it's stronger under prohibition or so. But I, I don't believe that prohibiting something makes the black market secretly make more of it. Something being illegal, there is less of it while it's illegal. And I would I would very quickly hop in and say that generally the I would argue that actually yes, there will be more, but 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 fundamentally it won't change as much for people that are looking for good quality of the black market thing because what'll happen is that there's a lot of like chaff. That will, yeah. So like the, the black market will explode because all of a sudden it seems like there's more of a demand, but a lot of that black market will be like, okay, here's, here's one about heroin actually. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know anything about the heroin market. Actually cocaine's a better one. Cause I did a, um, a thing on economics of organized crime. Right. So like, you know, you, if you're selling cocaine in the black market, say we just leave, uh, you know, banned cocaine. Sure, there's going to be a, sh a crap ton of cocaine on the streets, but I think a good amount of that is going to be people trying to make a quick buck with heavily cut cocaine that's not the pure, the good stuff. Um, so go back to your, <laughs> I would say legalizing gets rid of the bad actors. I don't disagree with that. Um but I do think legal. I, so you talked about how legalization does not mean acceptance. Yes. I think that's generally true. 
But I do think legalizing will create communities where there is acceptance. Yes. And I so I take this from Michael Knowles, who is <laughs> a drug my, warrior. One of my favorites. He is a drug warrior. He's a he hardcore. Is a drug but he's always said about marijuana that the reason he doesn't want marijuana legalized is not philosophical, but that at the end of the day, Michael Knowles, much like me, is also a culture warrior. And in addition to being a drug warrior, says in the end of the day, we aren't we are going to lose on the other issues in a marijuana culture. We are going to win on the other issues in a tobacco culture. So, so true. I I'm against legalizing drugs today is more what I am. I'm a a lot like how if you're having the immigration debate, you being the fullest and capest of all might say we we do need open borders, but not yet. I would like to be in a firmer place in the culture before we were to legalize drugs. I'd like to win on issues that I have that, to be fair, will not convince the libertarian audience because I'd like to win on issues that are not libertarian before we legalize drugs. But at the end of the day, you're more likely to be discussing Chesterton in a cigar lounge and you're more likely to be discussing whatever hippie Austin band thing you like in a marijuana shop. Well, and, and I was also, I would say with that is like, cause I, I, to a certain extent, I agree. Um, I, I think we should bring it back to shamanistic uh, rituals with weed instead of gay, whatever happens in weed shops. But um, the, like, I, I very much agree to a certain extent, which is that you will have places where it's more accepted. For example, in New York City, weed is legal. You smell it everywhere, especially in Manhattan. Like, you just smell it everywhere. And I can't stand it. I can't stand it. And it, and this is where we might kind of agree on this issue as well. I don't care about the drug war as much as some other people. And I'm actually more in favor... It's funny, as opposed to my thing of um, legalization there in my in my tweet, I uh, I'd much rather something be decriminalized first, um, so that you know people aren't going to prison for possessing something like that. Because yeah. I I think that's a that's a that's a victimless victimless crime, but I don't like smelling weed everywhere, and I'm not really going to be weed's strongest soldier or heroin's strongest soldier for that matter. Cocaine, I don't know. I think we could get a lot done in a cocaine society. If you're talking about a marijuana-based society. So I talked to, a, gosh, what's his Twitter handle? Ben Arkist. Yeah, Ben, yeah. I, I talked to him about this the night you posted yeah. that tweet. And he said that he would, uh, he would rather heroin be legalized than marijuana. Not because he doesn't want marijuana legalized, but because he thinks it's more important to legalize heroin. And it was for the reason, more or less, that you just said that it eliminates the bad actors. It helps safety things. So a drug that is more dangerous, like heroin, needs to be legalized. Whereas the if you're doing black market weed, you'll live. Yeah, um, I mean, and 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 also and, like you, no, go ahead, go ahead. You can get you can get weed that's laced with stuff on the black market, but honestly, like I, I that's a stance I very much agree with, which is like make sure the people that because 
after you've gotten addicted to heroin, you very much don't want to be addicted to heroin. No one's like, I love being addicted to heroin. It's my favorite. It's like, no, your veins start calcifying. That's actually why you'll see people inject, this is going to be gross, inject heroin needles into their toe, like between their toes. Because it's their one good vein. It's their good yeah. veins, right? So like those people are not, those aren't the same as stoners that just like to get high and watch Netflix and get fat. And I, I said to Ben when we were talking that I come to a similar conclusion in prioritizing heroin to marijuana. So I come for very different reasons. I mean, I don't think I necessarily disagree with his reason, but I come for the fact that basically what you just said, nobody likes being addicted to heroin. And I, I do believe that if tomorrow heroin were legalized across the country and weed were legalized across the country, a lot more people would go try weed for the first time than people who would try heroin for the first time. Not heroin, me. I'm, I'm getting that black tar <laughs> into my veins. Like, I think weed legalization will affect the culture far more drastically than heroin legalization. Mm-hmm. All of that to circle back to, I think you're totally right. I could be totally for a cocaine society. <laughs> cocaine is the right-wing white man's drug. Absolutely. <laughs> We're so I bad. To Texas Cocaine University, I watched the great and mighty Casey Pajal run up and down the field in our awful seasons where he lost while he did more cocaine than a lesser man could survive through. I will gladly support our cocaine society. Well, I mean, also think about like uh, my two of my friends go to UPenn. And they're like all the Wharton kids, like that's where Trump went. To, all the Wharton kids just do mountains of cocaine. <laughs> like that's how you get stuff done. <laughs> Listen, Look, I've thought about it. The the thirty year old wine mom has to get stuff done, and she takes an Adderall. The white man who's really getting something done snorts cocaine. Have you seen Wolf of Wall Street? Listen, <laughs> I read Wolf of Wall Street. Listen, I'm just saying, Tony Montana. Is a is someone I I aspire to be. He's Italian, or at least played by an Italian. I st- I haven't watched Scarface. I don't really care. But like, that's it. I I uh, I meth society. I'm not a big fan of because it's the lower class white man that is that is doing meth, and that's a dangerous man. Yeah, and again, meth and heroin both I'm less passionate about because they are drugs that I think have been sufficiently anti-propagandized that none of us like if meth were legalized very few of the people i associate with would go try meth for the first time but cocaine is not it's it's too anti-propagandized we need to bring cocaine positivity well, back oh yeah oh yeah bring back the 80s baby i, I you know I what bring saying... back the 20s i want cocaine in my soda I would say bring back the 80s and the 70s because great music, great fashion. Men were men. Short shorts are masculine. You have to, you have to, if you can rock short shorts, you have the quads and the dick and balls to really rock a pair of short shorts. You have to have some cocaine as well to really get that confidence. Tight clothes, neon, make a statement, right? I will say respect TCU's got a bright purple. It's not really a royal purple. It's a like, it's a it's a fluorescent purple if that makes any sense. It's a very in your Riff face. Ram, baby, I love our purple. I actually am not the biggest fan of it. I like a more royal Roman purple. No um, one is the biggest fan of our purple unless they're one of us. <laughs> that's fair. But like, yeah, I think the '80s need to come back. I think 
grow your mullet, you know, grow your mustache. I get that end scene. vehemently pro mullet. The moment I knew Texas wasn't back was when I was born. But the next moment I knew Texas wasn't back was when Quinn Ewers shaved his mullet this year. It's so that, over. They lost the Red River rivalry the day that happened. A real man would not have shaved the mullet. A real man would have grown a mustache to match the mullet. Yes, absolutely. Right? So, like, this is, and <laughs> circling back to the thing, look at someone on cocaine. They've got a fashion sense about them. Either it's the mullet rocking rock star or it's the corporate businessman. Now, look at the fashion of a stoner. Baggy clothes. I actually dress like a stoner, if I'm being completely honest. It's I'm like, not going to lie. I kind of forget you're not a stoner until I'm reminded. <laughs> that I'm vehemently straight edge? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because I wear, like, flannels, and I have long hair. and I'm, you know, it's you're like a musician? A, yeah, I'm a musician that's into prog rock. Yeah, like, there's a lot in of parts. Austin? <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, so it's like, but listen, there's some parts of stoner culture that I like those parts, but most stoners are just like, yeah, they're, they're slab, they're slobby. They eat too much. They, you know, you don't have great conversations with them. They're hungry all the time. They don't have any concept of time. They're like children. Someone on cocaine has a purpose. And I would argue that someone like opiates, at least, well, opium was a higher class drug. Now opiates are a, a poor man's heroin. That's that's you know that's not that's that's someone that's something for the trailer parks. Sorry. Whoa! <laughs> whoa! For the listeners who don't know, I'm currently in a trailer park where I live. Am I wrong though? Am I'll I have wrong? you know, I live in a very high class trailer park. It is very family friendly. We have an ice cream truck, and my neighbor who only has four teeth. Stopped all the drugs a long time ago. <laughs> uh, honestly, that neighbor's probably way cooler than most of online Twitter trad caps. He's so cool. He's, I mean, it's it's tough to understand what he's saying, but he's so cool. <laughs> I bet the trailer trash in Lubbock, Texas, like have been around. I will never forget my first day here. I was moving in and I was talking to my landlord. He's having me sign my sign my lease. He goes, "Look, the way with this lease, he goes." I'm not supposed to say this, but uh, I uh, we're not gonna Jew you on anything. And I was like, "Oh, buddy, we're gonna be friends today." Oh my god! Yeah, it's like it it's it's funny because uh, some people were like being like, "Man, your place is kind of closer to the bad parts of Austin." It's like, no, no, it's not. I'm next to a barbecue joint run, but he, the guy who runs my barbecue joint, I think like did a bunch of stuff with the Longhorns. There's all sorts of Longhorns memorabilia all over the thing but the breakfast tacos are cheap so true uh, so true <laughs> but um yeah man i i again this is a thing people don't live in the real world the trailer trash are the cool people you know the like all all the all the actual misfits not the woke leftist freaks that think they're misfits no they're just ugly and dysgenic and are actually supported by the entire regime so they have no they 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 actually have a choice to be ugly and gross the real me i'm the lose i'm the real loser well so ryan mcmakin references this a lot in radio rothbard uh if you've ever seen the show 30 rock there's an episode where they need to hire a new actor for the show they produce 
and they need to and uh Alec Baldwin's character, who's this big corporate executive right-wing white man, is uh, arguing with Tina Fey's character, who is Tina Fey. Um, and they, uh, they're going back and forth. And she says, New York City Americans are just as much real Americans as anyone else. And Alec Baldwin's character just kind of laughs at her. And McMahon brings it up a lot because there is such a thing as real America and we kind of, the way we export our culture and the way we homogenize our culture, we're, we're trying to destroy it. But at the end of the day... I will say the mafia, the New York mafia is real America. The New York mafia, I will gladly allow you. A bacon, egg, and America. cheese is real America from some shitty corner store. The best pizza you've ever had from some no-name stop. That's real America. The glass structures of Manhattan are not real America. Yes. The Empire and State Building is real America, though. They put the Italian American History Month thing up on there. Uh, I, I, I won't fight it. I won't fight it. I don't. I won't concede that I agree, but I won't fight <laughs> it. But the one place I'll tell you is sure as heck, real America is my back porch in a trailer park in Lubbock. When I sit out there and have a cigar, and my neighbor with four teeth or my obese alcoholic neighbor <laughs> comes up to me and starts talking, and I understand forty percent of what he's saying. <laughs> But what That's he's saying America, is like baby. offering to give me a ride because my car is broken down. I'm like, heck yeah, man. Like, I, you're you're too blind. I don't need it. But heck yeah, man. That's real America. It's like you're drunk, which makes you an even better driver. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's so true. I mean, with real America, it's funny. I've been going on for almost an hour and a half. We should start wrapping up. We probably should. But, uh, yeah, I... Um, we covered a lot of ground. We covered a lot of the stuff that I wanted to get to with um, the real libertarian stuff. Um, I don't really have much more with that is except just to say like, yeah, all the, all the people that think I'm not a real libertarian, it's like, well, you shouldn't be engaging in LP electoral politics anyway. Sorry for dividing your fake movement. Go join the GOP like a man. Um, and uh, yeah, I won't apologize um, also, quick thing, uh, shout out to the people that were all dunking on Austin Peterson yesterday. That dude's not a libertarian. You want to talk about someone that's not a libertarian? He, he, and he would he would probably agree with one of those things, maybe. But you can't be a libertarian and support glassing innocence. I, uh, even if you were a real libertarian, I'm not a real libertarian. And... Even if you weren't against glassing innocence, the man is obnoxious all over the internet. Very Every take so. he has is either that exchange he had with David, where he was just going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, trying to call David some idiot kid, or it's him actively clickbaiting. That's all he posts are those two things. Yep. <laughs> you just nailed it right on that. He's so annoying. I'm so glad that he stopped following me. He, you know what, Austin Peterson, if you're listening, block me. I never want to see you again. Well, uh, Austin Peterson, if you're listening, don't block me. I like, I have some questions because I'd like to know why you're listening. <laughs> I'd if like you're to listening know why an hour and a half in, an hour and a half into this episode. <laughs> I should I should title it something like Austin Peterson is a dumb lib shit loser. So he has to listen to the entire episode to like get to the point where we're actually shitting on him. 
<laughs> but yeah, uh, I don't know. I think we got good ground covered. We talked about the drug stuff, um, which we're kind of somewhat in agreement with some of it. And I, I thought uh, that's exactly what I thought we would be, would be somewhat in agreement. It, I, 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 I yeah. would be totally in agreement, but I, I, I also knew I wasn't coming at it from a philosophical level. And as a result, I knew I didn't have anything deep enough to work, be worth fighting that much over. Well, yeah, and it's it's a similar thing. It's like, you know, I will support the the decriminalization of legalization of drugs. I'm not going to really turn a blind. I'm I'm going to kind of turn a blind eye to some things that I I I. That's actually my libertarian cheat. I turn a blind eye to a lot of things that I should support, um, or oppose because I just don't like. Any like there's there's trans laws in Texas now that affect adults. Liber in a libertarian sense, I'm supposed to oppose that. I don't care. I I don't. will gladly support trans laws that affect adults. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, Connor. I mean, I just I just don't care. I just don't care anymore. But um, yeah, that's um, that's kind of where we ended up. Uh, any any plugs you'd like to have, Connor? Um, well, I already mentioned it on the episode, but uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Natural Authority. It's like authority, but without, without the Y because it didn't fit in the little Twitter handle space. And then for those of you who heard Lorenzo and I's college football comments and thought, wow, I like college football, I highly recommend TCU's Three Wise Men podcast, which I co-host. It generally comes out on Mondays, but we're still getting the hang of editing, so it's not always spot on. Um, and it is, at, as the name suggests, it's a TCU football podcast. For the last 20 minutes of every episode, we do picks for games all across the country. So you do not have to be a TCU fan. Just skip the first 40 minutes or so and listen to our picks at the end. So, yeah, that's what are, I've got to plug. Aren't you guys part of, like, another – or like? Yes, we are an affiliate of – I want to say, that, say it right. I don't want to screw it up on the podcast. It is Southwest Saturdays, I believe, but I don't know the hand. Southwest Sat is the handle. So it's Southwest Saturdays is the actual organization. Uh, we, uh, It's us and OK State Probs, if you're familiar with them, our podcasts under them. Give them a follow. Give TCU's Three Wise Men a follow. That's, uh, that's all I've got for plugs, I think. Perfect. Oh, um, and Mises.org. Oh. Look up Connor Mortel. I do not work for the Mises Institute. None of my illibertarian comments are that, but the Mises Institute is phenomenal, and you should look up my name on their website so you can read the stuff I've written. Yeah, I would also say as well. There, there. That was one of the uh, things that that girl was arguing with you with. Uh, Connor doesn't bring his illibertarian views into the Mises Institute, and he is also a very big fan of the Mises Institute. Mises Institute is one of the greatest organizations on the planet. I may not be a libertarian, but I am an Austrian economist, and God bless the hard work they do. And quite frankly, if the most libertarian of the Mises Institute had their fullest libertarian dream, it would probably be a better world than we live in today. So yeah. either way, I'm fine. Well, if, as long as it's not Walter Block's defending the undefendable world. Yeah, that's true. I'd probably kill myself. <laughs> yeah. And then he'd write a book on it. <laughs> defending Connor. Um but uh yeah so also i'm gonna shout out david because he's not here but uh follow david on twitter at real david b jr um bjr uh i think he's written some stuff on mises wire um he's definitely written some stuff on mises wire and he's written a lot of stuff for fee he, yeah he's starting to write more for fee yeah. also 
Um, promo code Brady you can use on the Mises Institute to get 10% off books. And Ooh, I, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, I think it's promo code Brady. Uh, I'm gonna have him correct me if I'm wrong. Um, he also and, does a lot of the Mises Institute social media, so just follow at Mises because a lot of that is him, a lot yeah. of their video production. Yeah, excellent at that stuff. He's great, he's the young prince. Um, it, as a, don't even try. For those of you listeners who don't know, I think he's addressed it. I named him the Young Prince. He is the Young Prince. So true. But yeah, no, I just want to shout him out. Um, he is He's at Auburn having fun with real people instead of uh, us at home. Uh, you know, what are we just, God, it's 9.33. I wonder if those taco stands will be open. I might have to do a late night run to HEB. Speaking of which, I... um. Went to a Central Market for the first time. Do you guys have those up in Lubbock? Uh, we have nothing in in Lubbock, but I've been to a Central Market before. Yeah, I went. They, they uh, big shout out to them because they actually have similar meat prices to HEB, but better quality meat. Because um, I made some smash burgers on a cast iron today. See, when I first moved to Texas, everybody was worked up about HEB, HEB and how great it is. But I am first and foremost a Florida nationalist, so I live and die by Publix, and I will never allow any of these other grocery stores to try and make any good arguments. I live and die by Wegmans up in upstate New York, so I completely 100% agree. H-E-B is pretty good, though. Um, and I like oh, no, Yeah, it's a great great place. I, I like Texas meat prices. Uh, they're way cheaper here. But uh, anyway, you can also uh, follow me on Twitter at... Um, Prog underscore enjoyer seven. Um, that's all my, you know, that's all my dumb politics takes and all that other stuff. You get to see me be a dumb retard. Um, Connor can attest to that. And uh, my Twitter's also me being a dumb retard. That's why Lorenzo and I get along. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that one time because you're in my circle. You're like, I really wish I wasn't part of it. I said something. I was like, I wouldn't mind if my dick pics got leaked. <laughs> Or something like that, and you were like, "Oh, I hate this so much." Yeah, I'm saying, this is the first time <laughs> ever I've wanted to not be in someone's Twitter circle. It's a good dick. That's all I'm saying. Now, granted, this is when I was single and like terminally down bad. I'm, I am taken now. I don't want my genitalia on the internet unless you are willing to pay good money, um, because nope, rent is nope, expensive. Still, nope, nope, absolutely not. I'm making that illegal. <laughs> Perfect. But yeah, uh, follow me on Instagram at Lorenzo underscore Silvio. That is no politics. No politics there. Um, that is just me drumming. And yeah, uh, shout out the podcast. Do all this stuff. Um, it also, unrelated to other news going on today, if you are uh, in a city that has a little Amal tour date, you should probably go to one of those because they seem kind of funny. But yeah, uh, with that, peace. Uh, see you guys next time. Have a good one. Go Prox.